Hi above the beautiful Buckhead District of Atlanta. This is your personal transgender scientist, Data Bevan. For many years, people have been claiming that prenatal levels of sex hormones determine whether people will be transgender or not. These claims, of course, would involve epigenetic mechanisms because the idea is that hormones would change either the original DNA or change the way that the brain develops from DNA. Outside of the brain, Sex hormones like estrogens and testosterone are powerful biological chemicals that act directly on cells to change their growth and behavior. They are most active during puberty when dramatic body changes occur. Estrogens direct non-brain cells to form female anatomy and physiology and likewise with testosterone with respect to males. These so-called sex hormones communicate with cells through structures on the cell membrane or outer boundary. Cells have what are called receptor sites on their membranes, which you can think of as a lock. Only certain molecules have the right shape to unlock the lock and go into the cell. The prenatal estrogen theory says that if the prenatal male brain is exposed to increased estrogen, then a male will become transgender. The evidence for the prenatal estrogen theory features a drug called diethylstilbestrol, or DES for short. It was first believed to be a synthetic estrogen and to be a handy drug because its chemical structure resembles estrogen and it readily enters the brain. Estrogen does not readily enter the brain because of both passive and active chemical defenses. These defenses protect the brain against the entry of certain chemicals, otherwise the brain environment chemistry would be constantly changing. Estrogens do not readily go into the brain, but DES does. DES was welcomed as a wonder drug for women who had trouble with miscarriages, and doctors prescribed it for this purpose from the 1940s through the 1980s. But in the late 1960s, Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston reported an unusually large number of cases of a very rare cancer among female children. Investigators found that one thing all of these children had in common was that their mothers had been prescribed DES during their pregnancies. With that report, the epidemiological alarm bells went off in the United States. There had been a previous notorious catastrophe with a pregnancy drug. In the 1960s, a drug called thalidomide had been prescribed to pregnant mothers as a sedative. Most of their exposed children were born with horrendous limb malformations and most subsequently died early in life. So healthcare organizations were on a hair trigger to react to prenatal drugs that might cause medical problems. Epidemiologists estimated that in the U.S. over the previous 20 years or so, at least 3 million children had been exposed to DES through their mothers during pregnancy. Epidemiological public health officers in the U.S. and elsewhere tried to track down the, as many of these children as possible to warn them about the danger. They put these people into registries or databases based on prescriptions or doctor's records which confirmed their exposure to DES. Together, the NIH, the National Cancer Institute, and the CDC and private organizations formed these registries and studied the most severe outcomes. These were mainly associated with so-called DES daughters or female offspring. A commitment was made by the U.S. government to all those exposed that research will be continued and updated periodically. They would contact those in the registries and keep them informed of progress. 
This was the time of President Nixon's war on cancer when funding was relatively easy to obtain for cancer studies, but the funding was gradually diverted into other research. The exposed males got short shrift in these research efforts for many years. By 1995, only a few studies had been done on males, but these studies reported things like undescended testicles, urinary tract problems, and impaired semen quality. No studies were done looking for being transgender or for behavioral effects. And after a meeting in New Orleans in 1999 where the neglect of research on males became apparent, several researchers who believed that they themselves might have been affected decided enough was enough and that they would perform research to investigate the rumors that DES males became transgender. They received no funding from the government but set up a website to register so-called DES sons or exposed male children and to catalog their reported medical problems. Registry on the website was purely voluntary but they managed to get about 500 participants to provide their stories. The stories were then interpreted by the investigators. Of these 500, uh, 150 reported that they felt dissatisfied with their gender, a mix of transsexual and non-transsexual transgender and gender non-conforming people. At the time, this was believed to be a striking number compared to the 500 who responded, which would be at odds of 30 to 100. At that time, the commonly believed population odds for transgender males was 1 in 37,500, and these odds would have predicted that none of the 500 would be transgender. We now know that the population ratio is exactly uh, 1 to 2 per 100 uh, for being transgender, and much closer to the odds observed in the study. The researchers did not attempt statistical tests. Now, it's easy to criticize this study on several grounds, which you probably have already thought of, but to be charitable, the investigators were doing their best on a shoestring. For one, the group of 500 was self-selected, which may mean that there had been selection bias for those who are already seeking an explanation for being transgender. It would be natural for those who had no problems to ignore the website and preserve their privacy. This hypothesis is supported by the fact that 72% of participants reported various medical and psychological problems. Two, the participants were given self-screening for exposure, meaning that some in this group may not have really been exposed. The investigators only had oral reports from the participants and their mothers and couldn't independently check prescription or doctor reports. Of the 500, at least 200 participants could not confirm their exposure. Three, participants registered their dissatisfaction with their assigned gender, but there were no behavioral measures or diagnoses collected. And four, 150 people compared to 500 may seem to be convincing, but the total number of males exposed to DES is estimated at least 1.5 million. The study only considered 500 of those males, and there is no belief that this was a representative sample. Five, there were also a lot of unknowns, like how long or how faithful the DES mothers took their medicine. Dosages also were not reported, and it's known from some of the other studies on government-registered DES offspring that the recommended dosage varied from one provider to another, and that dosage mattered for outcomes. Higher doses produced more medical problems. 
The results of the DES online group study should have been enough evidence for research to, to at least hypothesize a link between DES and being transgender, and notes a concern of transgender women. Yet, since this online study, none of the funded researchers have advanced or tested the hypothesis in over 15 years. The last study was supposed to be on the psychosexual behavior of the DES-exposed children uh, when they were adults, but the subjects were never asked whether they were transgender or not. I talked to the author of this study on the phone, and they said they were not aware of the rumors or evidence that DES might cause being transgender. So much for good scientific communication. By now, the commitment by the U.S. government to intensively study those exposed to DES has been significantly reduced. Inaction has continued. Although government agencies and research groups have qualified registries of several thousand males with proven exposure to DES prenatally, no one has ever asked the simple question of them, are you transgender? It would take a simple survey to find out. Subsequent studies have shown that DES is not effective in preventing miscarriages, meaning that the drug had no beneficial effect for this purpose. The risks of taking DES were large and the benefits were zero. Oh yes, and if you thought you were safe from DES, think again. It was used on animals through the mid-1970s. If you or your family ate meat during those, those periods of time, you may have been exposed to its chemical uh, or its chemical breakdown products. The only good news is that DES was banned for use in pregnant women in the 1970s. So we won't have new cases of sons or DES daughters. But wait a minute, instead we have DES grandsons and granddaughters because the DES mutations have now shown up in the third generation. None of them have yet been asked whether they are transgender either. So the state of play now is that there are still many transgender people who attribute their transgender behavior to prenatal exposure to DES. You will hear about it in the press and on TV, but now you know that at this time the evidence does not support DES involvement in being transgender. And there's another kicker. In the past 15 years we have learned more science about DES. We now know that although the DS molecule looks like the estrogen molecule, it's very different in its effects. It doesn't attach to the estrogen receptor on the cell membrane in the same way as estrogen, and it actually blocks the activation of other parts of the estrogen receptor. It is likely that the brain never sees anything like DES in normal operation, so DES is not a good analog for estrogen. And most important, the most pernicious action of DES is that it mutates DNA in developing fetuses. This mutation is now carried over to the third generation. Since we now know that many genes are involved in forming gender behavior predisposition, it's unlikely that a crude drug such as DES could make the subtle changes necessary to change gender predisposition. So for now, the current evidence does not support the prenatal estrogen theory of being transgender, and no governments or researchers have announced intentions to test the theory by performing future research. Next time, we'll explore the prenatal testosterone theory of being transgender. If you think this podcast on DES was dark, as the saying goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs>